0: i say not as i do rules for thee but not for me is it possible to violate your own principles what function does calling out hypocrisy serve can a hypocrite still offer valuable advice hypocrisy and the ethics of giving advice philosophers philosophers so david what are we talking about today i think we should talk about hypocrisy Ooh. well um i'll let you start then what have you been hypocritical about lately? What I'm have saying. I been hypocritical about? I'm sure something, but yeah. uh, I, I remember. Uh, granted, this was back when I was in religious institutions, but there was a pastor who once said there are only two kinds of people: there are hypocrites and recovering hypocrites. Yes, and that was actually really true. That was a true thing that he did say. Um, I think we're all a little hypocritical. That is whether or not we're willing to realize it or not is is the difference. So maybe we'll get into that. Let's get into that. Um, so the the first uh subtopic that i wanted to get into about this is something that i've i've argued about uh before i think i might have mentioned it on the show before um but this is, this is one of my holdovers from christianity the idea that it is possible to violate one's own principles hmm now the counter argument that i've heard to this is that if you are willing to violate it then you don't actually hold it as a principle okay by definition yeah we have i'm beginning to remember inklings of our conversations right i've heard this from other folks too well and uh i remember that there there have been times when i've been engaging on various uh online media in which someone correctly identified me as a christian because i put forward the position that it's possible to believe something is wrong and still do it. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, I wanted to I wanted to discuss this uh, in in a a bit of detail. Um, and uh, perhaps perhaps hear uh, another counter argument if you have one. Um, I, I I see I see where the argument is coming from that if you if you're willing to violate it, then it's not a principle. But I think my my biggest problem with that is that if literally everything you do is uh, is by definition in accordance with your principles, then guilt should not be an emotion. Hmm. How can you feel guilty about doing something if everything that you do by definition aligns with your principles? Right. Well, And, and I can see th- there is a potential semantic game to be played here as well. Oh, of course. Yes. Um, because and there's also it depends i think on your philosophy about principles um if you believe that your principles are something that are like unconsciously developed um then uh and complex that's the other thing um I can understand why you'd have the argument that, like, well, if you would violate that, then this is not your principle. So, for example, say like, well, I would never steal. Like, theft to me is one hundred percent wrong. Like, as a pr- on, on principle, right, theft is stealing wrong. Stealing is wrong. But, yes. but, but if I were starving, yeah, that's the age old ethical argument. Yes. It's like, but if I'm starving, then I can steal. And they're like, oh, well, in that case, theft you don't is actually wrong is not a principle. Stealing is wrong. But, but what they but what's missing is the implication is, but what you can hold as a principle is stealing is wrong except when right like that's that is the semantic argument is you you think stealing you don't actually think stealing is wrong in all cases you think stealing is wrong in most cases right and that's the semantic game to be played and i I still disagree actually um again because of the the whole guilt thing like i can think that stealing is wrong like if i if i believe in the notion of private property then it is not my place to take somebody else's property without their permission uh for my own personal gain to their detriment Um, just because i am hungry however i may very well still do that despite my feelings about it in principle and because it goes against my principle because i believe stealing is wrong i will feel guilty for having done it right when i think the other the reason okay i can also see the position for people who would believe that if you violate it's not a principle the reason they believe that way might be that okay well Guilt is a bounty, is a bountiful resource in this case. Like it can be treated as such. Like you have a well of guilt. If I can just call on guilt as a form of debt, like I can just indebt myself to guilt, then why would I follow any principle? Because I can feel like there is a limitless amount of guilt I can feel and I will recover that guilt naturally over time. Like if I feel guilty about something today with time, I'll feel less guilty about it. Granted, there's maybe, maybe, but for certain personality types of people that either don't feel guilt or they, they process, they have ways of processing that guilt to not feel guilty anymore because, you know, guilt over time can change. Um, granted your principles over time might be able to change because if, if your principles are based on your beliefs, we've talked about the transient nature of beliefs or how they should be allowed to change. Um, <clears throat> then I can just, oh, well, I know I'll feel guilty about this, but I it's in the cost benefit to me, it's worth feeling guilty about tomorrow to survive today. Because at mm-hmm. least I'll be alive to feel that guilt. And that creates an uneven, that creates this weird system where we can, it, you can leverage an individual's ability to process guilt as a, essentially, this is my get away with getting away with it bandwidth, you know, Um, and for those who have high tolerances to guilt, they can just violate their principles a lot more than those who can't tolerate guilt. And then it becomes a one-to-one thing. And so the way I think they're rationalizing that whole system to make sense is they're not tying principles to what you believe is right or wrong. You're tying principles to what you do, you know, um, and what you and and to them guilt's irrelevant it's you know whether you would do it or not and and that's the way they're trying to square away and make abstract the concept of a principle whereas in reality principles are often very personal which because they're bound to guilt in that way it, it, or violating your principles is bound to guilt and so i can kind of see where they're coming from but maybe there's a better way to explain that and maybe we shouldn't use the word but there, we should we could change definitions to make it make more sense. Does that make sense? I, I know I vomited a little bit, a word salad there, but because I'm that kind of person, like I'm a person that processes guilt pretty well. Like I do not feel guilty most of the time for doing things that other people would think would be wrong. But then again, and even when I violate well, my own you, principles, I would I would suspect that you normally act in accordance with your principles. Like is that because I I do see the point that if you routinely violate your principles then you probably don't actually hold it as a principle fair enough and and, but you can also if you believe that you can dictate your own principles why not just dictate them to be very open you know and so you won't like like the question is does your guilt dictate your principles or, or do your principles dictate your guilt i think the latter so you're Your principles dictate your guilt if you do something like you you feel guilt because you have done something that you believe you shouldn't have done see i i tend to think it's the other way around because i i view feelings as being an order a a level deeper than like principles to me are rational are are, are rationally minded they're Mm -hmm. not so whereas guilt is emotional yes so If like, and let's look at this, how it would naturally occur, right? So you're a child and before you have a concept of private property or whatever, you take something from another child and then they cry and then you feel bad. Like you feel bad, not because you've stolen something necessarily, you feel bad for the pain and detriment you caused another person because empathy. So but it's as us being humans, we tie our emotional feelings instead of to the suffering of someone else. We, we look at, well, what did I do to cause that? And then we label that behavior as being bad. So now that I have felt bad, like the real principle is I've made another person feel bad for the child. Even then this is before the child realizes that sometimes you're going to make people feel bad, can't help it, you know. So, and then you, and then that it becomes a lifelong game of drawing a line between well, what things that make people hurt other people should I care about, and what things shouldn't I care about, even if I'm, you know, causing them or not. So you tie it to the the activity instead. It's like, okay, well, if I give it back, they don't cry anymore. So me taking it was wrong. I've rectified it by returning it. Ergo, and and I no longer feel bad. So the thing that made me feel bad was taking the thing, not. Hurting them or them crying, even though that's really what it was. So, you learn these things initially, I think, through feeling like if something feels bad, it must be bad, you know, I shouldn't do it. Like, that's what I think. Um, I don't necessarily think that, and and even if you're taught stealing is wrong before you've ever stolen anything, um. You, I think, in a lot of those cases, people actually end up—they don't actually adopt that fully until they've stolen something and felt bad about it. Whether it is because their guilt laid upon them, like they're made to feel guilty by someone else's anger, or by the the sadness of the person who had something stolen, like one of the two things will inform your feelings about it. But it's from that point you actually adopt, and this is all assertions and my theory on it. There's no proof here, but. For me, it's, oh, I was made to feel bad either by being punished or by empathy. Because <laughs> sometimes when you steal something, you don't actually see the consequences of your actions from the person you stole from. Uh, you just tell someone else you stole and then they make you feel bad about it. Um, and then from that point forward, it like kind of sinks in. But that's what I think is that when you feel bad about it, then it kind of becomes something that you set as a rule that you shouldn't do um and i think that translates to the case of stealing when you're starving like stealing food when you're starving do you feel bad stealing food to feed yourself when you're starving i don't think i would that's interesting i feel like i would i feel like i would still feel bad doing it well and even as i acknowledge that i must do it to survive well okay i say that i it it, there's we're gonna have to complicate it a little bit Mm -hmm. because there's also this concept like okay the robin hood effect for example Mm -hmm. people don't feel bad for those that robin hood steals from right right because he's stealing from the rich exactly so if i stole from a person who has plenty of food to feed myself from walmart yeah yeah if i stole from the faceless corporation Walmart to yes. feed myself. I wouldn't feel bad if I was starving, but if I steal from the other homeless person, like knowing that they're going to go hungry or I'm going to go hungry, then I might feel bad because I'm essentially choosing myself over them. And they're going to either like, worst case scenario, they're going to die because I took their food away and ate it myself, but I'm going to live. But even then, I would rather be alive to feel the guilt than dead and gone. Right. So I would still feel bad, but... I, I think could... that, I think that's just a... That, that seems to just be a universal... Okay, I say universal. A human reality that we, we can have all of these rational principles and such, but all of that goes out the window when we're faced with death. Yeah. I, I mean you can you can even look at it on the daily when we we talk about empathy we feel for other species other than ourselves people don't like the reality of like factory farms but they do they 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 like the fact that food is as cheap as it is they just don't like the consequences of or they don't like the reason why it's so cheap but They don't want to have to make a true cost-benefit analysis of, well, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of farm animals that are kept in horrifying conditions, but I'm going to be able to eat cheap and then also go to the movies and do all the other fun things that I want to do. You know? And, I mean, even if they were humanely kept, there's this bargaining that goes on. Like, and we end up... I think that's where the kind of, that might be a good example of potential hypocrisy is that we, we do want things this way, but it doesn't feel good to say that like, you know, and we're not strict predators either. It might have been easier if human beings were obligatory carnivores and we had to hunt to eat. I mean, carnivores feel zero empathy for their prey. They have to, if if they felt empathy, they would starve, you know? right? So, empathy is useless for them when it comes to their prey right so if we felt that way about our prey then we we could just be honest about like well that's how it is you know i'm gonna eat period but because we feel empathy and empathy just can't be contained to ourselves you know we, we have overlap we we feel bad because empathy but we don't feel bad because it's comfortable to not to to enjoy the benefits of those things yeah so like in that case it's like what is it hypocrisy like to to is it is it's like what vegans would say is like is it is you're a hypocrite if you say you love animals but then you'll eat a burger you know like they'll i've I've heard that said to me Mm -hmm. before i'm like oh yeah well i love animals and like what apparently not that much because you you ate that cow that was kept at a factory farm didn't love that animal did you you know it's like well I guess not you know you didn't yeah (laughs) but i'm okay with that you know and then i but I, i there might be an overlap actually now between the vegan community and the philosophy on not 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 all vegans i guess but on the philosophy on principle and guilt but i don't know you know i i don't feel bad when i eat a burger right unless maybe i had just watched a film on factory farms that i might feel a little bad until I finish the burger. But, like, I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's hard to say. But I do, a part of me really does kind of believe that the feeling of guilt comes first. And then from that feeling, we determine whether or not something is right or wrong. Similar with how we do morality, you know? Like, well, yeah, I don't know. But, like, yeah, feelings are just the manifestations of our intuitions about things. Um, but I don't know if I would say that like feelings drive our principles per se i i wouldn't say that they drive i the it it depends what you mean by drive i don't think they set our principles explicitly but they might push us in certain directions of principles like as like they might push the well, general like, rule. Like, well right like because the golden rule is a principle this rule is not necessarily derived from feelings but the decisions you make can be informed by your feelings based on it that is the golden rule being uh treat others the way you would want to be treated so then you can say okay well i hold this as a principle and i know if someone took my muffin or whatever i would feel sad so i won't take somebody else's muffin yeah but back to the starving case. If I'm starving and I have a muffin, would I want someone else to take that muffin and let me die? No. But I would do that to someone else probably. <laughs> so it's same problem, I think. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I don't know. Right like that that I guess I guess that is kind of the case that I'm making is that we we hold principles That we we stick to whenever we are well enough off. Okay, so if we eliminate desperation. And then, then, yes, but everyone is willing to violate the principles if they're desperate enough. Okay, so for the sake of argument, we might just say, okay, we're going to eliminate desperation, or we're just going to put it as a general rule. Principles exist in the realm outside of desperation. Maybe. Maybe. In practice, anyway. In practice, they seem to, yeah. So... Maybe limit the conversation to outside of desperation for the time being to see if we can make some meaningful progress so okay so how does this make you a hypocrite is it is it just violating a stated principle so hypocrisy the the succinct definition that i have for hypocrisy is a pretense to virtue okay if you claim to be a virtuous person but actually aren't virtuous by whose standards though yeah i don't know what i thought i think to be a true hypocrite it has to be virtuous well, by, your, b- own by your own exactly yeah. um you 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 claim to have certain principles but you don't actually follow them right and i think this also only works well anyway it, it can work okay so it it can work individually but i think in practice a lot of the time it comes from shared virtues like The assumption like there's a tie to a social contract as well, where it's like, well, we in this society value X, like honesty, let's just pick an easy one. So we, you know, by being a member of the society, you strive to be virtuous. And in by that, we mean one of those things is being honest, right? So you can see the case where someone is caught in a lie. And often the question will not just, the the assertion will not just be made that, ah, you are a bad person, therefore you have lied what stings it is do you claim to be like they'll ask first like do you claim to still be virtuous and depending on how you answer they'll either bring the hammer down even harder if you do claim to be virtuous and even though they've already proven that you weren't like like there's the that's the, the, calling to mind is like the age-old like dramatized court scene where it's like you're a good person right like you would never do this would you but you did. And then it's even worse. Cause now you're on top of having done the bad thing. Being a hypocrite is the yes. wor- is worse, you know? And uh, like, you'll hear the caveats being made. It's like, and like, look at this guy. Yeah. He, he stole too, but at least he's honest about it, you know? And I think that's what hypocrisy really is, is just being honest to yourself. Almost in a way it's like, that's kind of how it might be viewed. It's like, at least be honest about how you feel about things And that's why it's valuable in a society is we want everyone to have the same values. And we want you to honestly have those values and to not have those same values and then be deceitful about it in the context of a group. Like we label that as hypocrisy. Like even though it's your own principles, it's the specific set of principles that's aligning with the group you're a part of and that's because most people won't you know that we don't like and, and because we don't like hypocrisy in that way we extend it into personal lives where like if someone says well i don't drink even if in the society consuming alcohol is perfectly acceptable you know if a person says they don't drink and then or says that it's bad to drink and then does that's still bad but that's more of a this person's a hypocrite you know but it's not like Daily. although it depends on why okay i think so this is the the second uh subtopic actually that i wanted to get into um so there is some overlap here i guess um which is giving people advice and normally it comes down to life advice or uh you know ma- making decisions about about someone or telling someone what type of decisions they need to make in their life so the the classic example to me is smoking yep I um, coming. yeah uh so the science is pretty conclusive at this point smoking is bad for you yes um it's going to give you various diseases of the lungs yes and mouth or whatever yeah um i almost dox myself as a former smoker well i mean, i think most people who regularly watch would know that i am but i i already feel that, like i had the gut reaction to correct you a little bit and say well it doesn't give you those things it just increases your chance like but it does though um yeah like yeah (laughs) but but, that's what it means (laughs) exactly yeah yeah not everyone who smokes is going to get lung cancer but your your chances are significantly increased Increased. yeah there there is a direct correlation correlation between smoking and lung cancer yeah um or other various lung diseases right um so now suppose you're a teenager considering smoking. You've never smoked before, and your an older relative of yours says, "No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't smoke because health reasons." Now this relative of yours happens to have been a pack a day smoker since he was 16, um, and so you might have the impulse to look back at him and say, "Well, you hypocrite! You've been smoking your entire life. How dare you tell me not to smoke?" right and what comes to mind uh is the uh song you gotta fight for your right to party so uh there, there's a there's a great lyric uh, in that that says uh your pop caught you smoking and he said no way that hypocrite smokes two packs a day like yeah and and that was used as a justification in the song for yeah you should smoke if you want to like don't be a hypocrite or, or he's a hypocrite why would you listen to him anyway do what right. you want to do because he does what he wants but to this do. is missing the point yeah exactly like so yeah, your your pop in this case, yeah. Um is addicted to nicotine most likely. Like that's why most people keep smoking for so long is cuz the addiction. That's why I vape to this day. Right. Because I developed a smoking addiction to nicotine. Right. So like it's it seems foolish to me to say no, I'm not going to take your advice, even as I see you dying from lung diseases. Well, it's usually before they get the lung diseases. That's sure, but still. But like, but you could take it to the extreme. Like, your your granddad is on his deathbed. With a cigarette in one hand. With a cigarette in one hand, <laughs> uh, coughing up all kinds of nasty, disgusting stuff out of his lungs. Right. From how much he's smoked for his entire life. And he's telling you, don't do this or you'll end up like me. And you'd be like, you hypocrite. And you go buy a pack of cigarettes. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it I get what you're saying there, and I think, and and that's interesting because I it's assuming that like like when with life advice, then let's just talk about that in general. Yeah. So I think there's two kinds of life advice. There is the you should do like you should do this because. I did this and it worked for me. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to be like me, do this. Is essentially right. here. What it here's is. what I did to end up where I am now. Yes. And if you would like to duplicate my results, duplicate my actions. Mm-hmm. Pretty straightforward. And it's the same in the negative case too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the life advice is well, I didn't do this, but if you did this other thing that I didn't do, a the assumption that they're making is you'll end up better than me. Mm-hmm um like people that look back and say well i should have invested in this thing sure that's useless advice to someone else because they can't go back in time and do what you didn't do right but there's that life advice you know and and i could see someone being called out as a hypocrite for both where it's like oh you should do this like well you didn't do that like is it hypocritical to tell someone to do something else than what you did i don't think so i don't think so either um but i do think I, I think the issue with life advice in general is that it's taken to it's given and taken to literally a lot of the time um and people on both ends are missing the the real thing that's being offered with life advice i think i think another thing is like getting hung up on the definition of hypocrisy too because there's a there's the definition that i gave earlier and there's the colloquial definition the colloquial definition of hypocrisy is doing something that you tell someone else not to do oh yeah or but saying one thing and doing something different but right um but that's not necessarily the same as a pretense to virtue right like if i'm a smoker and i tell someone not to smoke it's a bad idea I'm not putting up any sort of pretense that I am virtuous. You know that I'm a smoker. I have the cigarette in my hand, let's say, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm better than you. Uh, if you choose to smoke, I'm saying you shouldn't do it, uh, because X reasons, Mm -hmm. which I think to me, that's the general problem with life advice is it's what you should or shouldn't do, but it's presupposing the outcome. Like, Mm. For me, more valuable life advice has to do a lot more with cautionary tales of cost. Like to me, that's better life advice. Like instead of telling someone you shouldn't smoke and then stopping right there because you're asserting that to smoke is a vice, to not smoke is a virtue. And then that allows people to call into question whether or not you are virtuous or not. When in reality, what, what the, you should say is, I mean, if you smoke, it, it should be if-then statements, not should or should-not well, statements. Well, right, like like the, the subtext, the subtext is important here. The subtext of, I'm a smoker, and I'm advising you not to smoke, is, I really wish I didn't smoke. I really wish I hadn't started smoking. That's the subtext. Right, but I, and, and while maybe in certain circles that subtext is more clearly understood i feel like it's not i feel like well yeah i I agree that it's not understood yeah yeah and that's the problem and we should be more explicit in those cases which is why when i give advice you know if someone says man i really want to have blank or i would like to do blank my i never offer advice to say oh well then you should blank i would say well if you want blank you're you're going to need at some point to have the prerequisite like for that like mm-hmm. just pointing out what might not be obvious to the other person like, like say a person says man i would love to go on vacation and take some time off well before you do that you're going to need to have some vacation time and you're probably also going to want to have some cash on hand to do something with that vacation time because some people will focus too hard on just making sure they bank the time to take the vacation but then once get it. You get there and have no money to actually do anything fun. Exactly. And now you're just wasting time in a different place. Yeah. Exactly. And I could even point out as an extension of that, like a good way to combine those two things is to go ahead, plan your vacation in advance, and buy a package and pay on it every week or every month, because now you can you can combine the time needing to save up the actual vacation time from work and the putting money so that when you get there, you're guaranteed to have both of those things. And there you go, you're mm-hmm. set. That's good advice, in my opinion. And and also, well, there's another issue with advice, and this episode may not be all about advice, obviously. We're talking about hypocrisy, but, you know, advice should always be given as an option. It should never be dictated as the only way. Like, this might be wandering off topic a little bit, but I do also take issue with people who, when they issue advice, if you choose not to accept it, they hold something against you for not taking their advice. Like, I, I don't like that at all, but... But yeah, advice should be conditional and advisory in in that way. Like it should just be, "Hmm, well, here's pointing out some things to you. And it's pretty obvious to me as someone who's done this thing before, here are some things you're going to want to consider that you may not have considered before. And there you go. Like I'm not outlining one as a vice or a virtue. I'm not saying this is the only way to do this thing. I'm just providing an option that worked for me that might work for you. And I'm not going to guarantee it either. Like, that's the other problem is when people guarantee with life advice, you know, as a selling point, you know. But uh, I think if you offer advice in that way, you avoid hypocrisy altogether because you're not asserting standards of vice or virtue to things. You're Mm. just offering options. Um, But I do get what you're saying. For For the point of discussing hypocrisy, let's assume that the advice being given is, well... This is the virtuous way and this is the like life advice virtue which often has to do with that it will be virtuous for you to blank or it would be advice for you to blank you know um so i i but i but i do kind of agree back with what you had originally said is you know the only you don't necessarily have to have achieved the virtuous outcome to offer advice on what the virtuous outcome might be either you know, and it's missing right. the point to just call the person a hypocrite and disregard their advice. You know, um, and honestly, I think at that point, that... right? Well, I mean, like, literally, if we want to put this into formal debate terms, to call somebody a hypocrite who's giving you advice is a genetic fallacy. Yeah, you're you're discounting what somebody says just because of who they are as a person. Right but that's an all too common human tendency right um you know good example being like old rocks st- like let's take like eric clapton who had a cocaine problem doing a st- doing a don't do drugs kids like <laughs> program you know and that happens like especially for people who are well known that and they're well known for their consumption of mm-hmm. you know narcotics and then they get clean one of the parts of doing that is to sh- to sh- the word as a cautionary tale but for those who might idolize that person and look at the things that they might consider virtuous like i'm gonna i don't know how much this will weigh in it but I, i've heard people say yeah eric clap pretty great but i liked him better on cocaine like it's horrible to say that but it's true like people liked his some people preferred his material when he was consuming drugs mm-hmm. and those who would want to recreate that the seeming advice there would be to well duplicate the environment mm-hmm. and you might be able to duplicate the outcome but that's going to involve becoming that classic you know iconography of the rock star you know the drugs part of the sex drugs and rock and roll you know right. so yeah it's 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 weird but no one i don't know it... does hypocrisy have a point then though if if we use your definition point not a point Is there a good use for it then like if because it would seem that right now we're saying that you know you most of the time the way we use when people call out something as hypocritical it's fallacious right is that what you're you were saying in the case of life advice in the case of life um, advice well yeah and in cases of life advice and desperation at least um i i do think i do think there's probably still uh Uh, plenty of cases where it's useful to call somebody out as a hypocrite right like what Mm, mm, i would say without without trying to get into specific issues um i think there are plenty of cases where say politicians might put forward like some policy idea that they say will help the poor but actually ends up hurting the poor in practice. Hmm. Like you know, you claim to be virtuous and uh in favor of helping the poor, but actually you're hurting them with your policies. Hmm. That that's a, I think that's the time to call somebody out for hypocrisy. Yeah, and and to me I think that I think is the more potent form of hypocrisy is it's having cons- whether or not your motives are there or not because I think for hypocrisy motives are kind of irrelevant. Like there's there's an additional term on top of that for being, uh, perfidious. I guess is the good word for that. Yeah. Uh, we're by that I mean perfidy, or you know, acting one way but intentionally to too intentionally mislead. You know, uh, that oh, sure that's different. Yeah, yeah, that that's different, but it's equally you know that, that that's also something you can, you know, uh, <laughs> uh hold someone to account for but mm-hmm. the hip the hypocritical part has primarily to do with the consequences of your actions where it's like um we should all do this and then it has a bad outcome then it's like well you're being hypocritical for saying you were what, Is that though like say i genuinely wanted to help the poor and mm-hmm. i truly believe that man if the poor people would just do this and i'm going to put a policy in place that rewards them for doing the thing that i said mm-hmm. And then because as a result of that, all the poor people got even poorer. you know, is that really me being hypocritical or me just being a failure? I think that's being a failure, you know? Yeah. But it... I think maybe, hmm. yeah, the, the, the motives do matter. Uh, like if you, maybe if you like, despite the evidence continued to push that sort of policy then maybe that's a problem hmm. now you're being like willfully ignorant of the consequences of your actions maybe see see to me now i'm getting to that point where i'm I'm wondering if your definition of hypocrisy is like i'm trying to figure out a good is it overlapping too much with something else that already exists and we should forgo your definition for the common definition, like because the definition, you know, common definitions being what there is. Like if, if, if your motives matter, then in that case, like why not just use the word perfidious? Like, cause that's exactly what it is, is doing one thing under the guise of something else that's different or even the opposite, you know? Yeah and tying it explicitly to virtue i'm beginning to question like what why do we have to tie it to vice and virtue you know um necessarily you know like why in this case do we have to say oh if you claim something's virtuous and you don't do it you're a hypocrite you know like does that matter and is that important um you know individually speaking you know i can understand in the context of like i said a group but in that case it's just essentially saying you are essentially just being perfidious to the group like you you're claiming one thing so that you can benefit from being a member of the group but you're not acting in the best interest of the group or what we all agreed we should do you know i don't know and maybe that's why the definition of hypocrisy is kind of changed to what it is now which is you know Essentially telling others or saying people should be one way, but not doing it themselves. Like, you know, like that's the other place I see hypocrisy being more often used, which is like people should be more honest. Well, if the person who's saying that is dishonest, then they're a hypocrite. Right. Because they're trying to put other, they're trying to apply a standard to other people they're not upholding themselves. Right. That's fine. That's yeah. a fair enough case of hypocrisy. But it has nothing to do with virtue or not. Because the thing that they prescribe... Well, when I okay, is. when I say virtue, I really mean like moral standards. Mm. I guess I would want you to elaborate a little bit more. Maybe with an example. I'm not trying to beat the dead horse or anything. I'm just trying to work it out because... Sure. Maybe I've wandered myself off into the woods somewhere. This is the forest of knowledge. I need to come back to the right path. <laughs> um because i think we all have an innate sense of that hypocrisy is bad and that we all kind of know what a hypocrite is but when it comes down to it like like if you're the kind of person who says that uh, if, you, if you have a standard that people ought to give money to the poor let's say mm-hmm. and then someone sees hey you're not you don't really ever give anything to the poor what's going on with that and and you you know you try to come up with all kinds of justifications well i i can't because blank um then you're a hypocrite you're claiming to have you, you have a moral standard you establish a virtue of charity hmm. that you don't live up to and you come up with justifications for avoiding okay so quite okay so maybe this is what you'd originally said but it just finally clicked for me is setting up a moral standard for others or just setting up a moral standard period and then not upholding it as a virtue, like, and intentionally rules for thee, not for me. Yeah. This is hypocrisy. This is yes. hypocrisy. Okay. Okay. Now I'm on the same page. It took me a whole 40 minutes to get there, but I'm there finally. <laughs> Sorry for everyone who was cringing the whole time. who got to it immediately, but now, okay. Yeah. No, I totally a hundred percent agree. Like the rules for me for not for the I absolutely is you got that backwards, but yes. Yeah no no, no. <laughs> reverse hypocrisy reverse hypocrisy <laughs> rules for the but not for me or rules there, for me but not for the yes yeah. there you go um yeah and and i think that ties back all into just unfairness like i mean yes that's that's all that, it is. that's the whole complaint about hypocrisy is that it's a double standard right yeah. yeah totally you're establishing a double standard yeah 100% agree um now what i think is interesting is you can play games with standards to get around that Mm -hmm. i think which is super interesting you know like uh and i think that happens you know uh like this kind of ties me brings me back to the discussion we had about meritocracy which is we didn't end up airing that episode um but when we talked about well i think like i think we were we were talking about should the in-person interview be a part of a job interview you know because it would intentionally benefit those who can do in-person interviews a lot better right mm-hmm. well i can say yeah i think they should be done because you and and i'll put some even potentially viable reasons why they should be done like oh well because Dealing with people is a part of every job, pretty much, you know, or any job that has you interfacing with other people, you need to have an in-person interview. Knowing that I'm going to do really well as a person who just inherently performs well in person, yeah, I'm going to benefit. And I can set a rule that everyone should have to do in-person interviews. And I'm fine with that rule because you personally benefit from it because i i it's pick it's like choosing battles you know it's like mm, if if i'm a really good speaker and i have to enter into an arena with other people it would benefit me to to have a big component of that you know competition be verbal because i'm naturally good at conversations in the verbal space Mm -hmm. so yep we're gonna make that a part of the list i think that should be a part of the list you know um and me and everyone else who agrees can get together and make that a standard and do that. And it's not hypocritical for me to say, you know, everyone should have to do in-person interviews because I would do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's not hypocrisy, but it's, I'm, I'm picking which rules would apply to everybody. I'm picking the rules that in areas in which I would explicitly benefit and then applying them to everybody, but intentionally avoiding rules that would benefit other people over me. Like, and I think you see that sometimes people will say like people who have like a, a good example would be, um, people who have a, a much easier time, like people who grow up in communities, like, uh, let's just take the, the Amish community or the Amish community, you know, they can set out as a virtue. Well, no one should, uh, consume alcohol or whatever Mm -hmm. it's like okay well it's easy for you because you you're you're already set up to not do that because you don't offer those services where you live and you're going to apply that to everybody like they're not being a hypocrite for saying that because they don't actually do it they don't actually do it but they also don't have the opportunity either exactly so you know what about that situation do you think like, or is that outside the scope and something else, you know, but that, potentially could be probably something else. Cause I mean, like I don't, I don't see a problem. Like, okay. I think it's, I think it's fair for someone to say, well, I know, I know myself well enough to know that if I'm given the opportunity to do something, I think is bad, like this particular bad behavior, then I will probably take the opportunity so I create an environment for myself which gives me little opportunity to do bad things. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, like people people do that all the time. I think it's fine to set yourself up for success in that sense. I agree. So I don't I don't think I would call that hypocrisy for for an Amish <clears throat> person to say well you shouldn't drink and they have created an environment for themselves where they don't really have an opportunity to do that. Right. Um but you don't think it's wrong for them to apply that standard to other people who don't have the luxury of that environment already that's kind of like people who have developed an environment in which private secu- they have private security that and they say well the only people only people who are uh licensed only people who are licensed private security should carry firearms mm-hmm. And they already have those, so they have by proxy protection. I think that's different. How's it different? Um I, I think it's the I think it's the reverse case, actually. Like because now you're talking about something that every or not everyone can afford. Not everyone can afford private security. Yeah, but you can just develop an environment in which you could. Not necessarily. Why not? That takes resources. Hmm. It takes resources to do that. But it doesn't take it doesn't take resources to create an environment that doesn't have something. Mm. So is it only an issue when you're advocating forced people to have something, not when they're to give right, up? Something? At their own cost. Yeah. Like if you're if you're saying, like, okay, I'm going to apply this standard that only members of X group are allowed to use this technology uh for whatever like uh, in the case of private security like only only licensed professionals should be allowed to carry firearms okay the the pro the problem that private security is trying to solve is personal protection like you you want to have reliable effective protection if someone were to attack you personally um So then when you're saying, okay, only licensed professionals can do that, then you're basically telling all the people who cannot afford to hire private security that either they must go without protection or they must become private security personnel themselves for themselves. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. I I see what you're saying. Um, But it does make it, it that, that that this system does seem to though benefit those who advocate in advocate for ways of living which give up things right mhm like in in this scenario your monks are the only people who can offer supreme virtuous advice because they give up everything pretty much yeah and so they can unhypocritically make statements all day which is true they I, I i agree with you by the way i don't think that a monk is being hypocritical by saying that oh you well, right. right they, everyone they, they, they like really are actually living up to their virtues yeah their moral standards right um and but anyone who would advocate for anything else like having anything you can't advocate for that without potentially putting yourself at risk like you could even say the same thing about people who everyone should have a firearm. Well, that would preclude people who can't afford them. Can't afford them. They cost money. Yeah, they cost money. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Something doesn't quite sit well with me with the concept of only those who choose to give up can be can espouse virtue, which can can yeah can can espouse virtues unhypocritically. You know, um, and maybe it again we're back to semantics where it's like, well, I'm not saying everyone should have a firearm everyone should have the ability to have like right which even the poorest person could wield one if you know sure and then you start talking about actualization and that's a whole other conversation mm-hmm. about you know is actualization a prerequisite for something being uh right or not you know um so i don't know something something's there something's there that's kind of eating at me a little bit And i don't know if it's hmm that i don't like it because i don't want to give up things and don't like being like like say for example if a monk were i to... think i think like hmm I, it it depends it, it depends on like why like okay if you're if you're going to advise somebody to get a firearm to protect themselves you're not necessarily saying it is virtuous to do so but i would though like i i think it is virtuous to protect yourself or to be capable of well yeah yourself. maybe it is virtuous to be self-sufficient it well it, and for me it's a combination of it's virtuous to be self-sufficient and it's also virtuous to be efficient and a firearm is one of the most efficient ways that when crossed with self-sufficiency and protection to protect yourself so the apex of those two principles interacting is consequentially owning a firearm maybe um i don't know i guess the if if i were going to advise someone that way like i would i would be giving it only as advice like this will be a more effective solution than depending on somebody else like if you if you can't afford private security then having your own firearm is going to be more reliable a solution than relying on the police to arrive right or a club or something like that sure yeah i don't know it But I'm not gonna. I'm not going to say that but, I am more virtuous than somebody else because I have a firearm, right? But I don't think someone who gives up everything is necessarily more virtuous than I am. Maybe not. You know, like that. That that's my issue is just because they. This is whether they actually are more virtuous or not. That doesn't. That doesn't matter because we're talking about hypocrisy we're talking about whether they live up to their own moral standards correct um we don't necessarily have to accept their moral standard we don't have to say that a monk is more virtuous than an ordinary person that's true but it by my moral standard requiring having requirements to acquire things um and, and this isn't hypocrisy either. If I'm able to acquire those things and then I do like, I am able to afford a firearm and I am able to carry it every day and defend and I am capable with it. Like, so I've done all the things and I can hold that as a virtue for myself. And then, so let's, let's just do an even parallel. So monk, me and monk are there. We are both in the same category. We, we are upholding what we espouse as virtues. Mm-hmm. But when we turn to someone else to offer it in, in the situation in which you could be called a hypocrite, neither of us can be called a hypocrite, but our prescriptions for what we would offer as advice to other people will be taken differently. One, because he's not asking you to do anything that's, he's not asking you to expend anything. Uh, Whereas I would advise you expend. Like, I don't think, and, and this might, and we're outside the realm of hypocrisy. Um, Uh, but I still think people would kind of start leaning into that word. If like, if like me and him are sitting on the street corner and someone walks him and says, wow, you guys are both really neat. What should I do? You both seem capable people. I want advice on how I should live my life. Mm -hmm. And he says, give up all your early possessions and come live in the monk, the monastery, the monastery with me. Yeah. I I forgot the word for a second. Mm -hmm. And I say, or you could, you know, and there you'll be safe, you know, like he says that or whatever. Um, and I say, or, uh, spend $500 and get a decent firearm and then spend a few hours, at least a week or a month training and becoming proficient in its usage. You know, if when he weighs both of our values, if he doesn't have the resources or he's not wanting to spend the resources, you know, he'll look at the monk's advice and say, that's great. Cause I could do that. Mm-hmm. Even if he doesn't take the advice, it's still taken more positively because they could easily do it. Whereas my advice would be taken with a grain of salt of, well but i'd have to spend money like there's a quick excuse for why they wouldn't follow my prescription you know and i don't think that those two pieces that, that those well two pieces that, of i, I should guess should that's why way. i don't necessarily like i, I wouldn't hold okay I, I i may hold self-sufficiency as a virtue but i wouldn't hold i wouldn't i wouldn't make that so specific that someone must expend all resources possible to get to a certain standard of self-sufficiency in order to be virtuous. Hmm. Like, because another aspect of self-sufficiency is perhaps having spare non-perishable food on hand in the case of a disaster. True. Um, Some people barely make enough money to be able to buy food to make it through to the next paycheck. They don't have the extra money laying around to buy extra food in that case i am not going to call them i'm not going to call them immoral for failing to stock extra food right and that's understandable i just i guess my bone to pick is that like for, for me it's, it's less about morals and more about strategy i think it's a good idea to be able to protect yourself i think it's a good idea to be able to go a couple of days without electricity and food uh or access to the store i mean that's fair i guess but to me you shouldn't have an advantage for giving things up like i'm back to that whole thing like i i do not think living a life like a monk is virtuous necessarily i don't either but that's the thing that i was trying to get at with i and this is my whole problem my my problem because i I brought the amish into the whole situation and we started talking (laughs) um but uh I do think it's interesting because it creates a natural consequence where if you've given up everything and it's a flat, simple, easy rule, it's uncomplicated. I think that's how you, that's like a recipe for a religion right there. <laughs> like, um, I mean, yes, and and that's w- what gets me tied up because you can't help a lot of times in societies start talking about morality and moral virtue and virtues without bringing up religion. And I think to me that would be the most interesting area and to to discuss hypocrisy, like and you hear that happen i think that's a realm in which hypocrisy is both discussed a lot more and is more prevalent is in religious institutions where the whole reason they exist is to maintain and in some ways socially enforce morality Mm -hmm. and virtues um so that that's why i guess i and maybe we should go there and talk about that a little bit before we we wrap up because i think that's that's to me the okay the like more prevalent existence so this goes all the way back to the beginning one of the things that got you thinking about this at one point was you were correctly identified as a christian at one point because of your stance on hypocrisy Mm -hmm. um and i don't think that's a mistake i think it's because and in, in where we live it happens to be christianity but anywhere in the world that you have a religion because they deal in the business of virtues most of the time almost all the time Yes. Yeah. And especially in Abrahamic religions, like one of the, one of the axioms of the, of the religious philosophy is that people are imperfect and cannot live up to the, the, to God's moral standards. Right. But then out lies a prescription for how you can try. Right. And And so, yeah, so you, you set, you set yourself up, you set yourself up for failure in this case. Because you say here is this moral standard to which I am uh, to which I must live up, and yet I cannot. Right. And so you are you are you put yourself in a position of constant hypocrisy, because you declare a moral standard that you have no way of living up to. But that's the point. Yeah. As well, like that is a crucial function of the religion, and uh, and and not all religions do that. Like a lot of religions. I would say every religion, it's a, I would say it's a primary necessary component of a religion to have a set of virtues or moral standards, regardless of whether or not they provide a strategy to live up to them or not, regardless of whether they're achievable or not, they all have them. I would say that's a requirement for something to be a religion is a set of virtues or moral standards for people. Do you agree? Tentatively. I'm sure someone there, I'm, there, is going to comment like, that there, well, what about so, this obscure religion? There's so that... many religions I cannot, I, I, I won't make any universal claims about them. Sure. I, I, I will assert that. And because I would be really interested to see, give me an example of one that doesn't. Right. That would be interesting for me to look at. Um, and then maybe have to rectify my decision. But for the sake of this discussion, I will assert that all religions have this thing. Um, religions that set moral standards that are unachievable innately like by definition or unachievable open you up to hypocrisy so that now we're down to abrahamic religions um i've always thought that was kind of unhealthy personally like um for two reasons one i think it offers a somewhat of a desensitization to moral standards and i can point to you know specific instances like uh russian orthodoxy during the time of the late towards the end of the russian empire um people like religious figures would have orgies with people because they would believe that well we're if we're going to be hypocrites we might as well lean into that and then because that religion builds in a a mechanism to absolve yourself the you know absolving yourself is positive so the only way to absolve yourself of a lot of sin is to have a lot of sin in the first place and so it, it creates these it creates like a desensitization to, uh, being a hypocrite where you just become comfortable being a hypocrite, you know? Um, and that carries over into other aspects of your life, I think that are negative. Um, I think it also creates an instance in which because you have this self-loathingness kind of built in of, well, I'm a hypocrite. I am, you know, I'm a recovering hypocrite. You can then apply your moral standards to other people because it's like, but I'm in the same boat as you. Like I'm a hypocrite too. And make it okay to call other people hypocrites because you're okay being called a hypocrite. Um, And then because of that, it, the word kind of loses its potency. When everybody's a hypocrite, nobody's a hypocrite. Everybody's a hypocrite no one's a hypocrite exactly and i think that to me is the real damage there is if you're if if you live in a world and you you set yourself up to be a hypocrite all the time and then you're okay with it you can then judge people by that same standard as being a hypocrite and feel less guilty about it you know right all while ignoring the meta hypocrisy of it all exactly <laughs> <laughs> um so in summation i guess um be hypocrite's bad <laughs> um but also being a hypocrite is is always bad i think like i mean that the, yes that's the utility of the word is so yes. that we can call people out for like yeah hypocrites are undesirable in society yes even if you acknowledge that you are a hypocrite it's still it's a a point upon which to improve yourself right stop being one yeah um if there is perhaps one universal virtue it is to not be a hypocrite yes even if it's like by definition a virtue to not even if it's defined (laughs) as such just to be a virtue yeah um or to be virtuous as a component then yeah still though it's i think a valuable um assertion mm. so um i agree I, I did not think it would take that long for me to wrap my head around what you were talking about with <laughs> hypocrisy though like I, we all know it um but the other cautionary tale is don't it, well it's always wrong to be a hypocrite it's also not a good idea to go around assigning that label to people just because and as an excuse like um back to what we had said about the person smoking says don't don't smoke it's bad for you you know whether or not someone is a hypocrite you know don't fall into the genetic fallacy doesn't matter whether or not they are a hypocrite they can still offer good advice right the advice is not as good as the person who gives it necessarily right like i can like just to just to give another example real quick here at the end like i can like a lot of advice is given like the, the whole the whole advantage of being able to pass knowledge down between generations and such or even within a generation but normally this is how it's this is the paradigm is you're passing down uh advice to the younger generation um is to like normally like the, the classic way to learn is by making mistakes yes. and surviving um you can learn from your mistakes uh and to to not put yourself in unfortunate situations again. So what you're the utility of this is you can you can inform the younger generation about your mistakes so that they don't have to make them in order to learn from them. Like if I if I put myself into crippling debt um, because early on in life I wanted to live beyond my means and I figured out I could do that with credit and then lived in poverty for the rest of my life uh as a as a result of it because i couldn't pay back my debts i'm not a hypocrite for advising someone younger than me hey maybe you should think twice before borrowing money for something right um yeah i, I totally agree it's it's a way for you to learn the lesson without having to make the mistake right because some mistakes you'll never recover from you know yeah uh, that's the benefit so I, I don't think i have anything else to add Oops. Uh, i don't want to beat this dead horse anymore already all right philosophers philosophers if you like the music in this episode please check out jippy on bandcamp at jippy.bandcamp.com philosophers is supported by viewers like you if there's a topic you'd like us to discuss or a topic you'd like to see revisited in the future please let us know by contacting us using the methods in the description or in the comments below thank you for listening